Well, welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And today I'm going to explore a chapter of history related to World War I out of the 85th Division that came out of Fort Custer here in Battle Creek, formed a special unit of 5,000 men that came to be known as the Polar Bears. And they were the 339th Regiment that was sent to Archangel Russia at the end of World War One. So stick around. This is going to be an interesting one. So during World War One, Fort Custer was a major training base here in the United States for units and soldiers getting ready to be sent over to France and Germany. In the summer of 1918, the last year of the war, one of the biggest news stories to hit Michigan was brewing, but not a word of it appeared in the newspapers. Everyone in Battle Creek knew about it, but it was something that people were not supposed to talk about, especially those that were involved in it. And it was the time when the 85th Division, the Custer Division, stationed at Camp Custer, was moving out of Michigan on its way overseas. The United States was at war and the movement of troops was secret. However, the transportation of 28,000 men was hard to keep from the residents of Battle Creek. Movement of the 85th Division was the climax of the early history of Camp Custer. Almost from the opening of the camp a year earlier, there had been rumors that the 85th was about to go overseas. Again and again, soldiers from the local camp were sent to fill out other divisions. The first indication of the departure came on July 8, 1918, when Brigadier General Donaldson, an inspector general from Washington, reviewed the entire division. It was then given 24 hours notice to get moving. On July 9th, farewell church services were held at the six YMCA huts on the base. Two days later, the camp was quarantined against all visitors and soldiers were given no passes to leave the camp. On July 12th, the train trip to the Atlantic coast began. Eight trains a day left the camp. There was little commotion as the trains pulled out of camp, but along the route through Canada and Buffalo to New York City, crowds waved and cheered. At the station in Battle Creek, hundreds of relatives of friends waited for hours and sometimes days to, to get a glimpse of the men as they pulled slowly by on the long journey. Civilians were allowed no closer to the trains than 10 feet, and no written messages or packages could be exchanged. The division landed in England and a few weeks later was in France. Several units were separated from the division and sent to Archangel, Alaska, and they would become known as the Polar Bears. Within six months from the time the division left, the war ended and preparations were made to come home. It ended for those that were stationed in France, but for the polar bears, it was just beginning. So essentially, of this 28,000 men regiment, 5,000 were separated out. Now, the unit consisted primarily of Michigan men, but there was also some from Wisconsin in the group. But the larger percentage of the polar bears were from Michigan. Now, the mission of this unit had been devised mainly by the British during the Great War's darkest hour the previous spring. The German offensive of March 1918 threatened to break the Allied lines in France and roll the British all the way to the Channel ports before the United States, which had entered the war in April 1917, had had enough troops ready for the Western Front. 
Desperate, the brass agreed to divert a small force of American soldiers to far-off Russia, of all places, to fight in an entirely new war. The collapse of the Tsarist monarchy the same year had by the end of 1917 resulted in the rise of the Bolshevist regime. By March, the revolutionaries, these were the communists, Bolshevists, hurriedly negotiated a treaty with Germany, signing the agreement in March of 1918. So secure in the east, Germany rushed forces away from the Russian front now, with veteran divisions from the Russian front, to France to take part in a new offensive. So with their backs against the wall, the British and French desperately searched for a solution to their plight and eventually settled on the idea of somehow reigniting the war on the Eastern Front, which might ultimately divert German forces that were there and stopping the flow of enemy manpower to the Western Front. So essentially the idea was to send an army comprising of British, French, Italian, and even some Pole soldiers to northern Russia with the aim of reaching a place called Coltless, 300 miles southeast of Archangel. The British had also then approached President Woodrow Wilson and appealed to him to join in the operation in Russia. The U.S. president initially declined to do so, basically by saying he did not want to drain any American soldiers and weaken the Allied effort in the West. However, the Allies continued to press, and the Supreme War Council, led by Marshal Ferdinand Foch, approved the sending of Americans to Russia, and Wilson finally caved and agreed to authorize one regiment with the expressed single intent of guarding the millions of dollars of worth of military and other stores that had been sent from the Allies to Archangel to help Russians with the war effort up there. So in mid-August 1918, the men of the 339th Regiment of the 85th U.S. Division that had come from Fort Custer, and they were training at present in southern England, they began to hear outlandish rumors that their destination was not the trenches of France, but instead Archangel Russia, of all places. So they were being sent up there to protect the stores and supplies that had been sent to the Russians. However, what happened is by the time they got there in September, the Bolsheviks had already stripped the city of all of the material. So they, the city had already been plundered when they arrived. But this didn't dissuade the British because they said, well, we can certainly use the troops. So they utilized the 339th Regiment instead of sending them back. So the men of the regiment were thrown into conflict with the Bolsheviks in conditions that were probably the harshest that any American troops have ever faced. They were fighting in minus 50 degree temperatures and their machine guns were freezing up on them. Now, Archangel Russia is approximately 600 miles north of Moscow and it is way up in the tundra right near the edge of the White Sea. Now, historian and author Elizabeth Niemeyer here in Battle Creek, Michigan, has written a book called What's in a Name, and it's a collection of stories that she wrote over the year for Scene Magazine. And in that collection, she has an article on the polar bears. And 
And in that article, she interviewed one of the descendants of one of the soldiers from that unit, whose name was Earl Brucci Sr., and he died in 1961, but he served in the 339th Regiment at Archangel. And he had some photographs that she shared in the article, as well as a lot of personal accounts that were written by him. And he explained that when they arrived in England in August of 1918, they knew something was up when Sir Ernest Shackleton, British Antarctic explorer, showed up to talk to them. And after that, they got new equipment, uniforms, and weapons, and three weeks to retrain. He said that General Pershing was the leader who ordered this group to Russia. And a lot of speculation over the years has been that they were chosen because they had been from Michigan and were perhaps more accustomed to colder temperatures. They were also, some members were from Wisconsin. But realistically, it was probably because they were the next unit that had just arrived in England and they needed to choose from what was available. And they having had arrived, they were just taken from the 28,000 men that were on their way to France. So there were several groups of American soldiers separated in this unit. Some were at Archangel and the other ones were at Vladivostok, Russia. He said that the soldiers didn't like that they were under a British command and they said that many of their operations were in temperatures between 20 to 60 degrees below zero. But he described an incident that he had relayed to his granddaughter of his time there when they spent Christmas in Archangel. And he described that all the soldiers put down their arms and shared a campfire with the enemy. They sang songs and enjoyed a meal together. And then he also told her about the Shackleton boots that they wore and that they turned out to be not very useful at all. And so that her grandfather actually wore walked around with eight or nine pairs of socks on his feet instead. So I guess the boots were not very uh, useful in the snow or the comfortableness. So, And they eventually got boots later on from some of the area peasants uh, who had taken them off the dead Russian soldiers. So they ultimately got Russian soldiers' boots. On November 11th, 1918, which became known as Armistice Day, the fighting in Europe had just ended, but the 5,000 men up in Russia Russia were still fighting. So even as Germany signed the surrender in a railway car in the Champagne Forest near Paris, and throngs of people were celebrating in London and New York, Captain Robert Boyd and the men of the U.S. Army's 339th Infantry Regiment, Company B, were fighting for their lives against hundreds of Bolshevik troops in the snowy, bittery, cold wastes of northern Russia. Earl Brutsch's accounts indicate that he had to do guard duty and he's got a photo of himself doing guard duty in this article that has noted that it was 60 degrees below zero and they're standing there in the snow. One of the soldiers is sitting and it's so foggy and everything's icy. You just feel the cold from looking at the photograph. So they were continuing to fight even well after the end of World War One, and there was considerable pressure mounting to bring them back home. And part of that problem was the ports going into where they were at were frozen and they remained frozen until July of 1919 when they were eventually brought home. Polar bears who died in service were buried at Archangel but by efforts of many of the people over the years between 1919 and 1929 they were eventually brought home and buried at Whitechapel Park in Troy, Michigan and today there is a monument to the polar bear 
Regiment at Whitechapel Park in Troy. And a ceremony is held every year since then to honor them. Now, several of the remaining polar bears that came home held reunions every year, and there were roughly about 70 of them from the Battle Creek area. They held meetings at the local VFW chapters and also at some of the Elks clubs and local churches. So during the time that the unit was up there, 150 Americans were killed in action or died from wounds and accidents, and another 12 were taken prisoners by the Reds between September 1918 and April 1919, when they were finally withdrawn and sent home. So in June of 1919, the fronts were turned over to loyal Russians and just arriving British troops, and many of them out-of-work veterans of the Western Front, and the Americans sailed for France and then home. This was after the ports had finally thawed. So the survivors of this 339th unit would begin to call themselves the Polar Bears and wonder at their bizarre frozen ordeal and wonder as well why they had been sent to fight and die and suffer in the wilds of deepest Russia. So no good answer was ever really given to them. And the diaries of some of these men were put together in a book called The Polar Bear Expedition, The Heroes of America's Forgotten Invasion of Russia, 1918 to 1919, written by James Carl Nelson. And their slogan was, well, we're here because we're here. And that was probably where that phrase became most popularly known in later wars. Now, there was an article that ran in the Battle Creek Inquirer and News on May 31st, 1972. And it was looking back at um, the Battle Creek veterans of Russian expedition. Um, They had gone to a reunion in Detroit, and there were several members from Battle Creek that had gone. Of the Battle Creek contingent at the time was Albert D. Cox, Floyd Wallace, Earl Krantz, and J.W. Clapp. And the association had held a biannual reunion. Usually they held it over in Detroit, and they got together every Memorial Day. And then they would go on over and hold services at Whitechapel Cemetery in Troy, Michigan, where 56 members of their unit were buried there. And at that reunion in 1972, there was an estimated only 80 of the original thousand survivors of that polar bear unit that were in attendance at the 26th biannual reunion. And when the members would get together, they describe in this article that they would talk about it being hot and cold as a war between the United States and Russia. It was cold during their trip to Russia from September 1918 to May 1919, and it got down to 40 degrees below zero at Archangel, just below the Arctic Circle where they stayed. But it was hot too because the unit was involved in a shooting war with the Bolsheviks. And this was the only war that involved the U.S. troops fighting against Russian forces. So they were eventually demobilized when they returned to Fort Custer and their demobilization was on July 16th, 1919. So this was almost a full year after the end of World War One, which was known as the Great War during that time. So it's a fascinating history, and not a lot of people know about it. I had never heard about it. I studied a lot of the veteran stories from Oak Hill Cemetery, and I came across a reference to some of 
the polar bears that had been buried out there, and I was quite fascinated with it, but I didn't really take time to research the whole story. The Bentley Historical Library at the University of Michigan has quite a lot of material on the polar bear expedition and the history of this whole event. Because many of the American troops involved in this event were from Michigan, the Michigan Historical Collections have long been interested in documenting this episode in the history of World War One. So when I talk about some of the fighting that they were engaged in, some of the things that they were involved were defending some of the ports as well as the railroad lines to cut off supplies to the Bolshevik. And in their writings, they describe how the morale of the American soldiers after Armistice Day, and they're still fighting up in the tundra up there in Russia, that had a profound impact on the spirit of the troops because they just wanted to come home. Most of the fighting seems to have been around the railroads and the rail heads and the skirmishes happening between the American soldiers and the Bolsheviks because these railroad lines were the main lines of communication to that part of the country as well as supply lines. And that fighting went on for, well, I guess you could say it was almost a full year between up and through April of 1919. So in addition to the 339th Infantry, the 310th Engineers was sent there and the 337th Field Hospital and the 337th Ambulance Company. They were all sent to Archangel, Russia, right on the port of the White Sea. So if you look it up on the map, you'll see that it is, uh, oh, exactly right here, 600 miles north of Moscow. So it's much farther up than I had originally mentioned earlier in this podcast. So it's quite a fascinating history. It's certainly one that uh, you seldom come across unless you're familiar with some of the history near Troy, Michigan, where the monument is. But there's a beautiful statue, and it is a polar bear standing over a helmet of one of the uh, World War I soldiers and a cross. Um, so it's quite something. And if I ever get a chance to get over to Troy and film it, I'm certainly going to do that. It is uh, a very interesting chapter in Southwest Michigan history, as well as Michigan history in general. So I hope you enjoyed today's little venture into this story of the polar bear expedition and unit that went up into Archangel Russia and fought with the Russians all the way into 1919. So if you enjoyed today's podcast, I do air episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays with bonus content on Sundays. I started that in the month of April here, and most of the content that you're going to find on Sundays is going to be my interviews with local historians, and I hope to be able to continue on that throughout the year. So be sure to check in and listen to future episodes and subscribe to the podcast. If you'd like to check out my YouTube channel, just uh, go on YouTube and search Michael Delaware and you'll find the YouTube channel. And I also have a website, michaeldelaware.com. If you'd like to support the work that I'm doing here, I have a couple links in the top title bar that you can check out for merchandise as well as making direct donations. And as always, thank you for listening and I hope you will join me next time as we take another adventure into Southwest Michigan history. Thanks for listening. Thank you.